this is Captain Lee, and you're listening to the Andertons Podcast. on Anderson's TV and in a fantastic uh, you know I don't even know what I'm trying to say I'm just in a good mood because <laughs> this fine gentleman here Mr. Martin Harley when we were slightly bigger than nippers but you know yeah. cutting our teeth in the guitar world I was working in Anderson's and Martin used to come in all the time with his dad yep um, very true living proof that you can still get the blues in the leafy suburbs of Woking <laughs> Um, the famous breeding yeah. ground for blues men yeah, and, on, the, um, on the Delta, Woking Delta. Back then, you were sort of, you know, starting on a journey and getting a, you know, getting a little bit of a profile as a, a sort of a rootsy, bluesy kind of guitar player. Yeah. And it, I hadn't seen you for years and years and years and then saw you at a festival like a month ago. In the rainy mud of, <laughs> yeah. of, of Wayfest. <laughs> So fill me in, man, on like, you know... <laughs> on the last 22 years. Pretty much. Well, clearly in our pre- the preamble to this, both Lee and I are becoming tensely grumpy old men. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's 20, 22 years of grump. No, um, so, yeah, I was living in this area. I, I think the reason I stopped being here for a while, I went to live in Australia. Um, just the lust for travel took me there. I took an acoustic guitar. The guitar I took was living in the back of this hot car. I was, you know, I was really rambling on the cheap. The neck bent up and the action got really high, so I started tuning it to an open chord, started messing around with slide. It was, that was about the same time that I heard artists like Kelly Joe Phelps. And so there was a little bit of a reinvention of myself, I think. And also there was a lot of life experiences being had, a lot of, you know, a bit of heartbreak, loss, despair. And um, when I came back from that particular year of, of adventures, I felt like I wanted to make a record as a diary of just the things that I'd, I'd done. So I did, um, and Angus Cowan, in fact, engineered this um, at my old house oh, down man. the road. We made so a many names from, from, your part, <laughs> from the past. past. And essentially made a really cheap record, took it on the road, started selling out the boot of the car, and to my ultimate surprise, people bought it, people liked it. That was the time where you had to buy CDs if you wanted someone's <laughs> music. So I was like, hey, Maybe I can do this. And uh, it just naturally progressed. You know, play on the street, get picked up playing on the street to go and play in a bar because whoever had a bar is thinking, there's 100 people watching this guy. They could be in my venue and they could, I could be making the beer money. And we, you know, um, we took, took advantage of that and uh, bust down in Cornwall, got a bit of a reputation there. Just kept traveling, kept playing, kept doing it. Last three records have been Texas, or four records now have been Texas, Nashville, Nashville. I've just made a new one called Roll the Punches. It's coming out November the 1st. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that sort of brings us up to here. I'm, I'm, I'm on nine records. I've been playing a lot of roots and bluesy stuff. I've learned a lot going to America. I think America is always, you know, us maybe growing up here, you always looked at what was going on in the guitar world and guitar yeah. manufacturers and just it always seemed like the cool stuff at that period was 
coming out of America. So that always had a strong draw for me. And I've learned a lot um, from American players and uh, especially songwriters in Nashville. How to do less and just to improve the, the skill of the song. For sure. Well, that's... So how did... What was the, the sort of the transition for you? Because I'm trying to... You know, I, I remember, you know, you coming into the store loads, the dad coming in, you know, we always got on, but I, I don't... I don't know that you were necessarily singing at that point. Or no. At least. So where, where, where did that sort of transition into sort of starting? Because what was the first album, the one you did in Australia? Was that entirely instrumental or is that no, a bit of singing? No, that, that's when I started singing. So previous to making that record, yes, I had been a guitar player in kind of more sort of classic rock mm-hmm. and then sort of stoner rock. I always loved those bands like Caius really big low down yeah. tune filthy like big riffs so almost like blues riffs but yeah. you know slowed down and and black sabbath masters of reality they really captured my imagination so and guitar was my primary focus at that time and i think the singer just left the band i was in and they were like come on right get on with it and and it was terrible for a while i'm a self-conscious <laughs> singer i would still say my voice is my weak point not f- fishing for compliments i know it's decent enough but it's not I'm not as comfortable with my voice as, say, my guitar player. Right. So they're still, still getting that balance right. And so... I, I, yeah, again, yeah. I, I know I, when I saw you at the, at the festival, I had the opposite. You know, n- not as in... <laughs> I, I, look, I watched you and I thought, this guy is confident. He's got his stage show together. There's banter with the audience. The songs are good. It was like, it, it didn't come across to me like here's a, here's someone that you know plays the guitar and is a bit shy about singing you know oh well, i mean i've had 22 years to learn how well, to hide that part but <laughs> if i'm being totally honest you know when i perceive what i'm doing and i look for the room for improvement to develop because yeah. music is hopefully this this never-ending learning curve which is why it's such a wonderful profession i think you're like you're always learning, even with guitar, learning to play less, learning yeah. to be more tasteful, learning to take care of, you know, the tone, learning, you know, just the usefulness of the volume knob. Whereas when I was a kid, just like, ah! what did you, what did you, didn't you buy a really nice Les Paul? Didn't we, didn't we spend weeks still got and months it. trying to, you still got I it? Still, yes, a 1960 classic Les Paul. That's and it. what I bought from, I also bought from you was a PV Classic 30, which literally looks amp. like someone has put it in the middle of the Arizona desert and, and blown it up with a massive missile launcher. I mean, it's, I don't think there's an amplifier that looks as beaten up in the world. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 it's been retired now. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, and it, so, I mean, I'm fascinated how you've sort of transitioned from playing, you know, sort of regular uh, stand-up-y kind of normal tuning guitar mm-hmm. to um, you seem most comfortable with you know slides sitting down on your lap. yeah what, where, I know you mentioned the Australia thing but let's, what, can we can we sort of embellish on that yeah you? well what's nice about the open tune in here is uh, this is not um, like pedal steel pedal steel is more strings knees levers more of a country sound although I do try and emulate one by sort of bending behind the strings um but what we have here is a, it's like a regular electric guitar, but it's got a square neck. You can't yeah. push your fingers down onto the fret. It's tuned to an open D. When I'm playing bottleneck, it's tuned to an open E on this one. And the style that I'm carrying on with is, is like, it's really picked up from that acoustic thing where when I've been playing solo, I'm trying to emulate a bass player yeah. at this end. So I've got my two Ds. You've got a D, A, D, F sharp, A, D, and your open D. 
So I'm trying to keep that going and then isolate single notes to give me a platform to sing over. Right. So it's quite a complete sound. It's also like Travis, you know, Travis picking um, on an acoustic, but you're doing it lap style. As well as it being a great accompaniment to a voice and being able to do shows on my own, which is first because you need to make money as a musician. Yeah. Sometimes to have a band, you need to afford a band. So there's always a mixture of solo, duo and band work for me. Um, I love playing alone. It means I can improvise. Um, and the slide guitar's got a very vocal quality. Mm. You know, uh, you hear David, uh, David, David Trucks. The brother of the great slide guitar yes. player, Derek Trucks. Um, you hear him talking about that a lot, that it very much has a voice. It has a vibrato, you know, in the same way as you can tell B.B. King's vibrato, which, I, which was, I think, based on Buck or White slide playing anyway. A quite quick thing. Mm. You know, Ariel and... Um, uh, Ariel Posson and, and Joey Landry, they're brilliant at that... Uh, that vocal slide playing as well, yeah. that bottleneck thing and the swells and all those sounds that come from the gospel side of slide playing, the, sac- the sacred steel. <laughs> that kind of imitation of the gospel singers. Um, so yeah, that vocal quality mixed with the fact that you can play shows on your own, especially in the acoustic version, um, has just really kept me attached to that that instrument, it keeps me excited. I never feel like I'm running out of, of things to do or things to learn, so. What's the, what's the audience, um, not so much the reaction, but just like the, 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 the appetite for this kind of music over here versus when you're in the States? Is it, is it easier to get gigs for your style of music in the States or not really? It's region by region. It's hard to know exactly what resonates where and why. And if I knew, I'd probably be much wealthier than I am. <laughs> I made a very simple record at Southern Ground with a friend, Daniel Kimbrough. Made it in four hours and just played some songs I've been playing live for a few years. Put up some nice mics, a couple of takes of each song, put it out. Gave that to a Canadian booking agent and I got nearly every major festival in Canada that summer. It was amazing, an amazing reaction. I spent a lot of more time and a lot more money making a much more complicated and, and more produced album with a much bigger budget for its release and it hasn't done anything like as well. So I don't know exactly what resonates, but I would say that America's been good. I felt like taking roots Americana-based music. Mm. So I know that's a, bit of, that's a key word at the moment, but you know, it's songwriting there's aspects of gospel and rhythm and blues and rock and roll, all that kind of muddled into one. All those influences are in there. I thought it would be like taking sand to the beach, but there is, there is definitely an interest in it. And a lot of the more surprising comments are like, what would you call the music you're playing? And I might be playing something like a Blind Willie Johnson song, which is very much American folk mm-hmm. music from the Mississippi Delta in the sort of, in the mid thirties, you know, that Delta style of playing. There's a, you know, with your Robert Johnson and your Blind Willie Johnson and Lemon Jefferson and very capable players making that very complete sound, like I was saying, this one-man band mm-hmm. thing. Um, and a lot of people in America will be like, what do you call that? And I'm like, 
Black <laughs> Americans, American roots music. But yeah. um, you know, uh, I, there's a good market f- for it here. I, I think there's there's an emerging market. I think country is is doing quite well at the moment. It's growing as a brand, and that brings with it elements of bluegrass and elements of acoustic yeah. blues. And the singer songwriter thing kind of melts into that, all seemingly under this. Um, blanket of Americana because I'm not really straight ahead blues no um, it's, you know. and it's, it's, it's interesting you say that there's been a real seed change over here in again the, the, the sort of interest in, in a much broader country you know I, I think if we go back to probably when we were growing up if you said country music not only would an, an English person you'd just immediately think of Dolly Parton and go I'm not interested at all although she is awesome well <laughs> yeah I think you're right now even now I'd probably go yeah I, I, my, my if I could talk to my younger my younger you'd self be like, yeah, probably, just yeah, listen to it a bit more cause but listen to old country yeah. I, I think what I think what we didn't have here is someone to say look man country is not Billy Ray Cyrus okay and it's not <laughs> you know bro country it's not parental bad advice pickup trucks you know, girls in denim shorts. You know, there is an auto-tuned pop version of country, which has grown slowly on its own trajectory. And I personally find it a bit soulless. But there's all that great sort of Hank Williams stuff. Mm-hmm. There's all the Johnny Cash stuff, you know. And, and Dolly Parton as well. Uh, there is so much good old country. But I had to go to America and meet people and, and, and just be re-educated. And, right. Um, letting, letting go of uh, preconceptions about about anything has really helped me move forward as a as a songwriter sometimes i i've ignored a really good song because i initially i don't like whatever genre it presents itself as initially and so i switch off to it and now i go back a few years later there's a grumpy old bear <laughs> and uh and i find myself really able to see the you know the genius of these things but yeah you're right i mean country was was a weird thing and then in the mid eighties yeah. through to nineties, it wasn't we cool, exposed. was it? It, it wasn't, wasn't cool. cool. No. And now it feels like it, it kind of it can be, I and mean, it is. Yeah. Um, how do you? I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated with the, the gear because although we're all guitar players, uh, the only one here that really looks like anything <laughs> I could get a note out of would be that one. And even, yeah. even that, I'm not so sure. But so, t- take us through your your three weapons of choice. Weapons here. of choice. Well, the whole. I'm going back to electric after playing acoustic for quite a while now so i'm gonna i'm gonna be hitting the road for the next two with this so i'm quite new to bottleneck playing Mm -hmm. the problem with playing slide like this is you're glued to one position it's quite hard you're on a big stage you're trying to get into it and people are like why is he sitting down um so this is an attempt at taking some of the sounds that i can get from this you know in a more portable format um i would it's called a cuda caster a lot of people call it a cuda caster after rye cuda's guitars and what your primary difference here is is that this is a string through pickup oh wow it's a single coil but it's from a lap steel it's from a 1950s supro lap steel right um and that's just dropped straight in there and this is off um a k guitar so this sorry so this metal piece on the top is an integral part of the pickup if you take off pickup doesn't work Oh, yeah, wow. Some have magnets on both sides. This has a block of wood here yeah. and a magnet there, and it creates a magnetic field inside. So it has a really unusual sound. Um, I'm using 13-gauge semi-flat round strings on this, so the tension's quite high, so I don't get too much of that rattle from the bottleneck slide. Um, this is 
a cheap imitation, I think, of a gold foil. It was in an old K guitar someone gave me, and I thought, um, I'll chuck them in this. It's a parts caster. It was, it was pretty cheap. Actually, it looks like when I took it apart, the neck's quite a nice neck. So, I'm, you know, there are still bargains to be found on eBay somewhere. But So, yeah, we're in a, in a more regular electric guitar format. It's tuned to an open E chord, yeah. playing it with a bottleneck. But the advantage I have here is I can still finger notes, yeah. um, whereas this, everything is with the bar. And what, what's the, is there a... But, I mean, you, you, you just said that, you know, it's a big difference playing with the, the, the lap steel kind of bar oh, yeah, this versus a bottleneck. I never even assumed that, I just assumed that would be a relatively straightforward transition. So it's heavy. It's pretty heavy, yeah. So what you, what you stand to gain from it being heavier is better sustain. Um, and I suppose gravity a, is helping, isn't gravity's it? Gravity's helping. Because you're not, you're not playing side on. And, and, and you're this way around, so you can isolate single notes. <laughs> If you got the, mm -hmm. if you were playing that with a bottleneck, you, you obviously you yeah. can do it, but it, it's quite awkward. Speaking of uh, our dear friends Joey and Ariel, yeah. have you ever used there? Because they they came up with the sort of the bullet tip, yeah. kind of end on the slide. I think specifically to try and enable you to sort of angle the slide and a be a little bit more. more. Yes, you tried one. I, those, haven't, I haven't tried it. Yeah, no, well, I've I, shall, those I shall get you one before you before you leave the store. You can have a freebie on me. Um, and it's made the whole day work. Yeah, I knew they'd give me some free stuff. <laughs> um, and just uh, see if uh, see if that helps. But okay, so to jump it back over to yeah. does it? I plug in. Yeah. So when when you go, does it force you to play very differently, or are you just transferring? I know, I know you mentioned the it individual does. notes. It does. I mean, that's yeah. one of the nice things. Shall I, shall I hold that? It yeah, looks a bit then. precarious on, on there. It's had a, don't worry, everyone. I'm not going to try and play it. It's had a hard life and it already. Maybe I will. Go for it. And it's tuned to a D, is it? Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, so you've got an open major chord, as if you were holding an E chord, but a, tune down, a, a tone down. That's the most boring piece of video you're going to see all day. It's me, it's me literally just going, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, it's, it, you know, it's quite a lot heavier than I thought it would be. It must be, it's just like, it is a gigantic piece of two before, isn't it? The neck. Yeah, it's got a lot of sustain <laughs> and that's, that, that's what you want. Martin's signature from 2010. That's it. It looks older. It's it like, does. It's obviously, it's obviously been properly gigged, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just come back from the shop, actually, because it's just a few bits were wearing out. It's been played that much. Really interesting. Um, the acoustic sort of tailpiece, but electric pickups. Yeah, I think they get a, it's a bow tie tailpiece, which is um, traditional to Hawaiian-style guitars, which okay. I guess we'll get onto that with the Weizenborn in a minute. But I've, I've always liked that kind of that, that look. And it's built to the same specifics um, dimension-wise as that, so same scale length, same string spacing, and so I don't, so I don't go the, from playing that to playing that and, and, and fluff notes because the... Someone's the put the machine heads on the wrong way around on this one now, I don't know if you ever noticed that. <laughs> yeah, did you do it while I was, yeah. while I was drinking coffee? Really? <laughs> Come on then, give us a... So, so, so what, what do we do here? So here we've got the slide note. make many more different chords. I mean, you can tune the, that to a C6 and you can get to a lot of places, but if it's the only instrument you've got to hand, what I like about this is you have the best of, hopefully, both worlds. 
get a nice little minors by by having your having the yep. slide cover and all the strings and if you're just gentle enough you can go the string behind where your major is and so you've got your major there so it's just a few little tricks to give you more chords to play with it um, sounds it sounds thinner it doesn't i think i could sort of sit in a band scenario i yeah. suppose you won't notice that but if you've got to be on your own there's something very fat about this yes, that's one i mean the size of the strings and the pickups are made for us where they're really fat sounding right. um yeah just it's really super solid body it's all part the same part of a one wood you know and this is yeah it's never going to sustain as well or, or sound quite fat. I mean, if you actually put up against the regular Strat, it sounds pretty fat next to yeah. one of those. Um, and it's, it's very hard to find regular guitars that sort of compete with the slider animals because for an acoustic instrument as well, that's super loud. So mm. if you pick up a D18 afterwards, you're like, it sounds tiny, but I know it sounds big. <laughs> um, it's just weird. And I, I, get, I, re I get exactly what you're saying. What I think one of the reasons why I've never been really into seeing a band where the front person's a keyboard player i think is largely because it just gets a bit boring just watching somebody just sit down you know I, I could if i think if i was coming to see you and you were playing this and it was a fairly small club and it was intimate and you know you get you have good bands with your audiences so i think it's kind of works but you know the bigger the venue gets yeah. the more it becomes quite obvious that you're just going you haven't moved the entire set yeah, yeah, it's like, you know well that's it see I do a lot of what I call soft seated gigs or theatre gigs where I'm going to have a couple of beers I'm going to talk about where the songs came from I'm going to talk about the guitars I'm going to ask people questions yeah. it's going to be this interaction you know and up to a couple of hundred people that's great and if people are close they can see what you're doing with your fingers and the instruments are interesting I use that and a resonator a lot of the time for solo shows and just it's intimate People aren't standing. There's not going to be a bunch of noise coming from the bar. So you can take them on a journey. That's one thing. But I was finding as the stages get, get bigger and we're playing more festivals with this new sort of band project that just being there and being static, just, yeah. it, it just doesn't feel as engaged. You know, I want to be able to, you know, to turn around and sort of engage with the bass player a little bit and also just look around, just navigate. I, you know, I feel quite awkward standing up. I'm so used to sitting down. Um, but it's a fun transition. Like all of these things, like I was saying, it's a, a constant learning curve. The, the sort of standing up and playing and trying to engage in a different way is a, is a new beast to me. And um, I like it. I, you know, I, the fear of failure is, is okay. Oh, well, you're, you're a very modest chap. I must admit, I, I, if, you know, I, I must remind the pe uh, people who are watching here, you know, Martin is a pretty successful musician now having played some pretty outrageously big gigs so the fact that you're so humble and happy to sit and talk about this journey still is is very cool let's um i mean this is a work of art isn't it it's amazing it's like some sort of koa is it koa yeah book match oh, man. flame koa it's uh, i met andreas andreas kuntz yes and uh he is he's just a monster in terms of attention to detail just his craftsmanship is just way way out there um so this is similar to an instrument affectionately known as the as the Weizenborn, um which is a traditional kind of hawaiian guitar mm -hmm. so a guy called herman Weizenborn um and john knutson were guitar builders 
um, in, around California in the 1920s. They'd been to Hawaii and seen how people were playing with these traditional shaped guitars. And slide guitar and lap steel, huge, 20s, 30s especially. Mm -hmm. Like there were whole schools dedicated to lap slide playing in, in Vancouver and elsewhere. So it was a really big craze. And they were making student models and made them one through four. And this is a representation of that. There's a few minor changes in that the headstock is more traditional. I like the slotted headstock design. That's why I wanted original wise more sort of tail off um, with the tuning pegs coming out the side. I own some old ones and they're, they're wonderful instruments, but they are coming up for 100 years old. So if you take them on the road, it's, you know, it's going to go wrong. And um, so he's built this to be a really good sounding, functioning um, working working guitar. If you give me that slide back, yeah, I'll show. So yeah, it's it's this, but in its acoustic form. the fact that you know that that you know here's another thing that a guitar player could get into it's just you know it's just not you know if, you, if you've got your normal six string electric guitar and you're just thinking ah oh, you know it's like what else it's like yeah, it's yeah. just this is so cool and it's not you know i know i i, I think maybe, maybe we'll find out over the next few weeks i think i could sit here and with a few hours just kind of start to get a bit of a tune it's not a giant it, leap you know? it's not a giant leap um you know, if it, if you can hold down that sort of alternate baseline thing, yeah. you know, this is this is always where I'd say the the beginning of my style starts. If you can keep that going, like your Travis picking, like anything else, and slowly take the the high D in this case, uh, but your thinnest string, and just start playing a single note melody. Once you get past that the mechanics of that, then everything That's opens wicked. up a little bit more. And I, I think I don't think it's a giant leap for no. a guitarist, which is what what you're saying. Um, I think the only thing that Anderson sells that would be remotely like this, I think there's an Epiphone Dobro with a square neck. In fact, I say I think so. I know there is an Epiphone, yeah. and it, and I, but I don't. I wouldn't even know where to start in terms of other mainstream manufacturers that are making these kind of guitars. Well, I mean, but, you know, not to stop anyone spending money anywhere but it's a great thing to do with a guitar that's got a warped neck or you can take <laughs> Shout. A, yeah you can take a um i mean i, I found old 12 strings i've owned so you could mm. you could maybe get a 60s or a 70s gibson you know dreadnought was a 12 string that's completely that's, ruined it's knackered but it's still a great guitar it's never going to be playable unless you go right the way through a neck reset and maybe it's twisted whatever but then you've got a great body of guitar great sound but and is you know, it, just can, it can a tech, yeah, just put a bigger nut on yeah. and boom. Knock out the old nut. You can, you can get um, little metal um, additional, uh, it's, like it's a, like a, a U-shape, goes right. over the oh, top okay. that has pre-cut uh, slots. So you can, yeah, you can essentially take your strap, throw one of those over the top, jack your action up there a little bit. I mean, it's a style you don't have to go all in. 
you know you don't have to throw all the money yeah, at it yeah. and buy all the gear you, there's plenty of ways of trying trying the style before before you go shopping but there are a lot of good little resonators dobros they you know fairly inexpensive um you know you don't have to go crazy to start getting good sounds and, and other than uh your back catalogue of music which of course you will find a link to in the description below this video um who else you know if people are going oh, i like that you know who, who else should they be trying who's to listen good? to well yeah who's I mean, good who's good i mean there's <laughs> who a do lot, you personally like there's a lot of great people um well joey landra's playing is really good it's really vocal it's really nice Derek trucks is really good that's more sort of the electric side mm-hmm. of things um for me, like the singer and, and the instrument is really key. If there's someone who can do both things really well, that's when I start to get really interested. And there's a guy called Kelly Joe Phelps who l- stopped me in my tracks. Right. I saw him at the London Union Chapel. Okay. Um, and I was a bit late for the show, ran in, and uh, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chapel. So it was a weird, almost religious experience. There's this one guy playing slide like this. Everyone's pin drop quiet, and he's got them. Right. You know, and he got me, and I was like, holy smoke, what's going on? Um, so he's really worth checking out. You'll see a lot of elements of my style are, are very much Kelly Joe Phelps elements. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm all over the place. I was likely to be listening to Nick Lowe as I am, JJ Kale or Nina Simone. I was like, if, if it gets you and moves you, then... then then I'm, I'm all about that. It doesn't really matter the genre too specifically. I'm personally drawn to less pretentious, or what I would describe as less pretentious music, like heartfelt music, someone who's clearly using music as a tool to express themselves in a way they feel they need to express themselves. Um, and, and that's what I'm drawn to, you know? Um, so, well... You, you can always go your John Martins, your Nick Drakes, those great finger pickers yeah. as well. You know, they were all drawing from blues aspects and folk aspects. Um, so, and where could the fine people of YouTube uh, see you perhaps at a show this year? Are you predominantly UK or are you going stateside again? Or? I'm all over the shop. I'm doing a full UK tour from the 1st to the 19th of October. Oh. Um, the closest one to you here would probably be the Union Chapel in Islington, which is great. the reason I wanted to play this because I saw Kelly Joe Phelps there and it was such a career changing um, path for me. Uh, but I'm everywhere, I'm down in Portsmouth too, but if people go to martinharley.com and just find out martinharley.com down here. I've never done that before. Yeah, it's exactly, it's, it's, it's be great, here. isn't it? You have yeah. the power, you can do anything. You could say it's over here. You could, it could even be here. It's, it's totally where, here. wherever you want it to be. But yeah, well, I'm on tour with the band, so it's very much band record. Just made it out in the wilds of Pembrokeshire. Ooh. I've made some records overseas for the last three times they were great but I wanted to be back in England be a bit closer to family to be able to to and fro from the studio a little bit but we were out in the middle of nowhere in this in uh, Studio Z in uh, studios in uh, in Pembrokeshire and it is in the middle of nowhere super peaceful old converted chapel I don't know what it is with me and religious uh, uh, buildings but um, yeah it's very much an analogue sort of dirty slide guitar sort of sort of thing well let's hope I think really martin should play us out with a song of his choice and we'll grab your microphone but let's hope can you imagine if we allow another 22 years to pass before we see each other again we should be so bald and grumpy we're gonna be so grumpy so grumpy let's put that date in the diary now 
It's for, a deal uh, for September. If we make it 2041 or whatever it will yeah. be. Um, yeah, absolutely. If we're still here. Yeah. We, oh, my goodness me. Oh, we got, like, all the heart monitoring machines. I do like I'm like still that. here. Of course, me too. We will. We will. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, this is Martin Harley. It's, it's such a great to, to see you again. And uh, good luck with, with everything else you're doing. Uh, go check out this man's music. It's great. And uh, that's it. Mr. Martin Harley. Thanks very much, folks. Hi, well, this song is called Brother, and um, it's become apparent to me over the last few years how bad men are at talking to each other about everything. Obviously not me and Lee, because we haven't seen each other for so long. But um, I think this song was inspired by friends going through hard times, but also knowing a lot more men in the 40 to 50 bracket. And I think uh, sometimes it's easy to shut down and not talk about what's going on. And uh, I, this song is an invitation to, uh, to talk. And uh, it's called Brother. If the load gets heavy and hard to stand, brother, call on me. To lend a hand Brother call on me And if the waves are towering Over your boat Brother call on me I'll be there to throw the rope Brother call on me Call on me Call on me Call on me Brother, you can call on me If you've been down so low That it feels like a Brother, call on me I'll fill that wine to the top of your cup Brother, call on me Call on me Call on me Call on me Brother, you can call on me times of trouble in times of need don't be a stranger brother you can call on me call on me call on me call on me brother you can call on me times of trouble, in times of need, don't be a stranger, brother you can call, brother you can call on me.
much. Thanks for listening to our latest podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe button. See you next time.